1: Eleven to one with Gilmore's Mercedes Benz Kings Court. Visit our showrooms or check out our new website, Gilmore's.ie, to see the amazing two to one range of Mercedes Benz cars or our huge selection of used Mercedes Benz vehicles. Gilmore's Mercedes Benz Kings Court, the best in motoring, here for you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram.
3: This is LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazel here with you. You can get in touch with me about anything at all. 086-1800-658. The sun is shining. We've weathered to rival Spain. There's only one song to be playing. Oh, we have the summer vibes. With Katrina and the waves on LMFM's 11 to 1. I'm dedicating that one to my lovely colleague, Chris Murray, because he's heading straight to the road to the beach he says I'm heading to Betty's town some people go bananas don't they when they see a bit of sun, it's like straight into the shorts and T-shirts, into the ocean, no coats or anything on them. People go mad. But I'm all for feeling the summer vibes. Yes, I'm all for seeing this lovely weather and apparently our temperatures are the same as Spain. So cancel your holiday and stay here for a day or two because no doubt it'll change. It's Ireland. It is. It is. And things will go back to relative normality when it comes to the weather. Had a bit of a surprise yesterday uh, we were talking about Mother's Day and had so much fun yesterday talking about Irish mammyisms which was fantastic. Uh many of them I'm going to use <laughs> in my on my own children. But you know as we are approaching Mother's Day, you know you get all this artwork, don't you? Home in the bag, half crumpled. You know what I mean? At the bottom of the bag from school, <laughs> which I love. I love homemade art. Love it. And uh, but this one gave me a, ch- a shock now yesterday. Yeah, because and uh, teachers all over the place, I'd say you're having a great crack at this now because they do this exercise in crashes and also in junior infants, it seems. And it's called Who is My Mum? OK, so there's questions for your little darling to fill out. So my mum's name is OK, he's gotten that right, Sinead my mum is how many years old did he put down 10 my mum is 10 years old (laughs) grand okay my mum's job is she talks on the radio right okay not too bad so far the best food she cooks is chicken nuggets he writes I mean seriously all of the culinary delights that come out of the oven or hob every single day and your man picks chicken nuggets that A I fire in to an oven when I'm at my wits end with them Anyway, my favourite food is... uh, or Her favourite food is spaghetti. I don't know where that's come from. Does he not know me at all? My favourite food is chocolate. Like, seriously. She likes to drink... This is a dodgy one. Coke. She loves it. Thank God. Phew. No other embarrassing things there. We like to go to the library together to get some books he's written. Uh, Now, this question I have real umbrage with now, right? My mum makes me laugh when... And her man says... Actually, Dad is the funny one. He's the one with that makes funny voices. Outraged, I was by that response. But then the, uh, he's made up for it at the end. What a charmer. I love my mum because she cares for me and gives me a hug and kiss every night. I love her so much. Ah, listen, all's forgiven. But it <laughs>
1: it stopped
3: me in my tracks yesterday. It gave me a laugh. They'd hang you out to dry, wouldn't they, with teachers? kids and what they'd be saying goes on at home the teacher be getting all sorts of notions but luckily our school has an app on the phone which uh, you use to communicate which is very easy you know for homework and different things so I said just to clarify <laughs> to the teacher I uh, definitely I am the funny one in our house and also I cook more than chicken nuggets I can't ever think that I don't feed them proper things <laughs> anyway it's all in good crack isn't it for the spirit of Mother's Day and this is all I want. I, all I want is homemade art and gifts made with love for my children. That's all I'm looking for. And a bit of peace and quiet, isn't it? On, on Mother's Day for a cup of tea. That's all we want. Uh, we're going to be getting through lots on the programme today. I'm really excited. We're going to be chatting to me, the playwright, Deirdre Kinehan her new play it's the final one in her rage and trilogy it's called Outrage and I believe it performed extremely well over the weekend locally in Kells but it is heading for a Dublin run we're going to chat to Deirdre all about that very very shortly but first back to the music here's a little mix there's a little mix with the breakup song on LMFM's 11 to 1. I want to mention this because I know a lot of local groups are organising things around Charlie Bird and his big climb of Croke Patrick that's coming up. But the Reastown Walkie Talkies group, they are organising a walk and talk in conjunction with Charlie's Climb. It's happening on uh, Saturday the 2nd of April at 11am at Western's GFC in Reastown. Donations on the on the day to the Irish Motor Neuron Disease Association and also P a house. So they're saying it's just a stroll around the pitch, uh, followed by a cuppa and it's suitable for all ages and do get in touch with us if you have any events that you'd like us to promote. We love to do that for you. Info at lmfm.ie is the best way to reach out to us and we will be sure to give it a mention for you. Now, a highly anticipated movie, the trailer for this has dropped. Uh, it's based on a really amazing best selling book. I'm going to tell you all about it after these. 11 to 1. M- I have music from Snow Patrol on the way for you. But first, this is very exciting because it is very highly anticipated, this movie. A lot of people who are fans of the book uh, will be delighted to hear that the trailer for Where the Crawdads Sing, starring Daisy Edgar-Jones from Normal People, is out and it looks really, really good. So the film is based on the best-selling book by Delia Owens and um, it's going to hit the cinema in the summer. But we do have a sneak peek from from the trailer, which I'm going to play now as well. But just to kind of give people an idea, it the book, by the way, was her debut novel, De Leon's best-selling 2018 debut novel. And it centres on an abandoned child, Kaya, who grows up alone in the marshlands of North Carolina. So it's sort of set in the 50s, but it kind of alternates between a past and present timeline, uh, with the current day Kaya accused of murdering a young man who tried to rape her. Now, the trailer... Features an original song as well by Taylor Swift called Carolina, so that's very exciting. And I know that she was uh, talking about how excited she was to be involved in this as well. So here is a taster of the trailer where the crawdads sing. They never saw
0: I have, like you, heard the tall tales told about the Marsh Girl. <laughs> an abandoned child. I had a family once. They called me Kaya. A little girl surviving in the marsh on her own. Reviled and shunned. Hello, Miss Kaya.
2: I hear y'all by muscles.
0: Sometimes I feel so
1: invisible. I wonder if I'm here at all. You are. I think you're gorgeous I want to get to know you better
0: There's no fingerprints on the railing, great stuff No fingerprints? Being isolated was is one thing Being hunted, quite another
3: Oh it looks so good, it really does It's produced by Reese Witherspoon as well Who I know was sort of a real champion of the book uh, As well when it came out So very exciting for people who were fans of the novel It's going to be out in uh, the summertime So watch this space I know Niall O'Brien will be on uh, all over it When it does reach cinemas And we'll bring you the, the update on it But for now we can anticipate it listening to LMFM's 11 to 1 Sinead Brazel here with you and it seems this play performed extremely well over the weekend when it had its premiere in the newly renovated courthouse in Kells. We are talking about Outrage. It's the final play in the Rage Trilogy that Deirdre Kinnehan has written I'm excited to chat with her she's going to be joining us just after these
1: 11 to 1
3: She's a multi-award-winning playwright who has collaborated with artists and theatres all over the world. She is a huge body of work, far too long for me to list here, that has enthralled audiences far and wide. She's been busy writing a new work, Outrage, which premiered in the newly revamped Courthouse Theatre in Kells at the weekend. And this work continues Deirdre's exploration of the stories and testimonies of Ireland's civil war, focusing on two sisters exploring this true nature of women's role in the Irish Revolution wars, particularly focusing on the Civil War in 1922. Another important work giving voice to the women of the time who have been largely forgotten by history. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the brilliant Deirdre Kinnehan. How are you doing Deirdre? And great, Sinead. Thanks a million, not a bother. Great to hear from you. Now, I, congratulations, first of all, on what I hear was a really successful premiere weekend at the Courthouse in Kells. Do you get those sort of jitters on opening night, particularly if the show is premiering in, in an area that you're from? Um,
2: I suppose, yeah. I mean, you're always a bit nervous and excited and you really only know whether the play works once you put an audience in front of it, you know? So uh, I don't get half as nervous as I used to years ago. I don't know whether, just somewhere along the line, I said to myself, it's out of your control. There's nothing you can do. Have a nice gin and tonic. Sit in and hope for the best. So that's kind of my modus operandi now, I have to tell you. (laughs) But but it was great. I mean, it was wonderful um, to open in Kells because the play is set in both Kells and in Dublin. So... um, you know it, 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 i think it is really adds a whole other dimension to a theatre production when you're kind of cradled within the walls of the story, you know? Oh, and totally. And that's the case with Outrage, yeah. Yeah,
3: absolutely. And, you know, when you think back to the earlier days of your career, you know, you'd been writing all these incredible plays, but nobody here would put them on, dear. Dry. I mean, it's been a hell of a journey, but a, a testament to how far you've come and how important your work is, even if we're a bit late in showing our appreciation on this side of the pond. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's been you know. But listen,
2: my journey is just an echo of uh, a lot of playwrights. I mean, an awful lot of our best playwrights, like Marco Rowe and Marina Carr and Enda and Conor McPherson and myself. You know, we were all, um, you know, c- kind of um, uh, discovered really in London or the States, and and then people began to pay a bit of attention back here. I mean, unfortunately, that seems to be uh, the story for a lot of writers, and particularly women. I mean, up until 2016 and the wake in the Feminist Movement, mm. I mean, there was only a tiny percentage of uh, new works or indeed classics that were being produced in the major institutions or any theatres were being written by women. So, So it's not that unusual a story, but I suppose My luck was that uh, there were always members of the Arts Council and members of the theatre community that kind of got in behind me. And it was really around 2008 when uh, myself and my small theatre company were given a residency in Solstice Arts Centre. So they basically said to us, you know, will you come and work out of our theatre and we'll put some money into your productions and we'll market them and we'll work with you on them. And that kind of support, meant that I, could, I made, like, plays like Dog Boy and Moment mm. I made them in Mead. And then they toured to Dublin. And then they went from Dublin to New York and London and started winning awards all over the place. And that was kind of, that was the period where I broke. I had been writing plays for about eight years at that stage and putting them on myself in small theatres um, in Dublin and sometimes being invited to tour them around Ireland because the work, even though it sometimes look at, looks at... Um, kind of the the, the dark corners of society. It's always very accessible. It's always grounded in a real kind of, you know, the people you kind of fall in love with or who break
3: your heart or you know they're
2: making all the wrong decisions for all the right reasons, you know. So people have always loved the plays. Yeah, but there's yes, that absolutely.
3: universal appeal as as you say. And you know, as you mentioned there, like it's so vital that local authorities like Mead County Council in Solstice support artists like yourself and they continue to do that because I believe they're they're still supporting you.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean I have to say Jared Bailey, the arts officer with Mead County Council. It's just incredible. I mean, her energy is incredible. Her belief, the the support, and there's so many artists. Like music is really her baby. That's her thing, and she supports so many traditional musicians and new bands. And is always kind of thinking up new new ways of supporting uh, artists. Like giving a young band, you know, a couple of days residency with a really experienced. Um, Kind of, you know, uh, record maker, or you know, those kind of supports—they're essential. And indeed, it was We County Council that um, commissioned my very first play, Wild Sky. uh, My very first history play, Wild Sky which was a play looking at uh, the events of 1916. And it was kind of through that experience that I got a handle on how one might approach these kind of period plays, you know, by by really going in at the grassroots and, Mm. and, and finding and creating some ordinary characters that everybody in the audience can relate to and bringing them on a journey through the historic period so that the audience are kind of, They're being immersed in the history without really knowing it. They're either following a love affair or they're following some tragedy. They're following some other story and then through that they really get a sense of the heat and how tumultuous and uh, chaotic and fervent a period of time it was. So, yeah, they, they commissioned Wild Sky and then came and commissioned uh, Outrage.
3: Yes. And, um, and, you know, as you say, this is, the, you know, something that has been preoccupation pre- with yours uh, for the last few years. You know, you've been focusing on the testimonies of uh, of Ireland civil war, particularly discovering the stories of women involved in Irish Revolutionary Wars. Fascinating subject, but I'd imagine it's from frustrating work because, number one, you have to find these stories, and number two, you have to stop yourself from getting angry that these stories are largely forgotten about. Well, do you know, that's it, Sinead. I have to
2: say, I mean, as I told you, I was Wild Sky, my second play was Embargo, and my third was Outrage. And Embargo uh, also uh, has a very strong woman at the centre of it, uh, um, a lady called Jane, who was very involved in the labour movement. And I remember when I was kind of researching and reading for both embargo and outrage, I was going, why do I not know how important the labor movement was in the genesis of this republic? How extraordinarily center it was in the kind of revolutionary um, fervor at the time. There were 20 Soviets declared in 1920 all over Ireland. And I've got, why do I not yeah. know that? And then you think of the deeply conservative Catholic state that emerged at the end of the Civil War. And, you know, it was suppressed. That story was suppressed, as was the story of the women, because the women were at the core of the revolutionary movement, both through uh, the labour movement, because they were very involved in the... the, the Uh, union movement and through the suffragette movement and they weren't just making sandwiches they were gun running they were uh, breaking out prisoners they were finding homes for prisoners they drove people all around the country they um where, you know, they they shot and fought yep. just like the men, not necessarily in the same numbers in the flying columns, but they and they were hugely involved in propaganda and espionage. And uh, I think that's where the story for outrage began to grow for me, because there's a wonderful woman called Kathleen McKenna who came from Oldcastle, County Meath, and she worked in the Department of Propaganda in Ireland's first illegal doll, in wow. 1917 1918 so she was in there with Robert Brennan and Fitzgerald and the war bulletin was a really important facet of the Irish war against the British they literally took on the British department of propaganda in Dublin castle which was the department of propaganda of Britain of an empire yes you know that had so much experience and, and so much influence around the world. But they started typing up the stories of the atrocities being committed by the Blackened Towns and the Aussies around the country. And they got them out. I mean, originally they'd, they'd be printing 10 or 15 bulletins. After a while, they were printing hundreds. They were getting reprinted in the New York Times. They were getting reprinted in uh, Parisian newspapers. And there was huge pressure then put on the British by their own population when they became aware of what was going on in Ireland and Kathleen McKenna, a woman from Old Castle, was in the that- the
1: middle of that. Oh, I love that.
3: And, and how then, we don't know about this. This is, you know, the point that you're you're making yeah. with this. You know, and and you know, as as we 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 delve into this, that the plot. And I love that it's not just two women, but it's two sisters uh, that are at the centre of this. Because so often we see, you know, uh, two brothers that are torn apart by war or something like that. So here we have two sisters. So you have this added element of the of the sibling attachment to the two of them. So tell me about. Rage and the two sisters and what the plot is?
2: Sure, uh, I mean Outrage focuses in on the story of uh, Alice and Nell and they're two sisters from Dublin who have been involved in the 1916 period, inv- uh, involved in the, the War of Independence. Alice is, re- uh, Nell is really fervent. She's 10 years older than Alice and uh, she's a die-hard Republican. She's a beautiful, funny uh, fascinating character in her own right. And she kind of grew out of the testimony of a woman called Bridgie Millan who, because um, I read her whole story written by herself in the Bureau of Military History as part of the National Archive. And um, she's a kind of a really fiery character. Alice is uh, in the heat of it as well. Alice falls in love with a guy called PJ Riley, who is a bomb maker from Kells County Meads. He's up in Dublin fighting with the women in the thick of it. But when the truce comes, Alice finds herself pregnant. (sighs) And PJ convinces her that the two of them should return to Kells County Meads. And for somebody like Alice, who has been at the centre of, you know, a, 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 a real ongoing living drama, literally running from uh, one office to another under gunfire, you know, uh, typing up her bulletin, working with the government, you know, bang in the middle of it all, to move down to the quiet, agrarian town of Kells, County Mead. It's like her life has stopped. And that kind of echoes the, the, the moment of the truce when the fight was just so suddenly over. Yes. And there was this hope for something different. And then we very quickly moved from there into the Civil War. And Alice, Nell and PJ were a real tight little trio in Dublin and they love each other and their personal relationships are are core to the play. But as the Civil War uh, ushers in that begins to fracture and the relationships begin to crack.
1: And Which, sisters, of course,
3: you know, would have echoed at the time as well, you know, absolutely. absolutely. And, you yeah. know, you're, you're, you're talking about like this trilogy, you know, it's it starts off, you know, in 1916, ending 1922. I mean, it's, it's not only a hugely turbulent time in our history, but it's so resonating so deeply today. People have wow. strong opinions on it. So there's a huge amount of bravery as an artist to even go there, Deirdre.
2: Yeah, I suppose, you know, I think uh, I had I had a bit of fun when I was writing my um, introduction to the book because the three plays are actually published in one volume by Nick Hern Books yes. and we were selling them in Kells and they're on sale with the play in Dublin as well. But I was saying, like, when you take on something like The Birth of the Nation and you take on, you know, something as romantic in our collective imagination as 1916, you know, there's not... A family that doesn't have a story about mm. Granny hiding guns in our knickers. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> or the, you know, the local landlord beating somebody to death. That you know, down the field or the famine and all these echoes of history swirl around us. And and people can be quite fixed in their notion of oh, yeah. what it was. And you see, this for me is key. Who controlled the narrative out of that revolution? And it was the deeply conservative Catholic Mm. winners. Most of the real idealists and the real revolutionaries were either killed or they left because they were so disillusioned. Or like the women, they were, uh, you know, written out, written out. And, and pushed back into the kitchens, you know? Yeah. And, and, and there was a real anti-women fervour because the women were so strongly on the side of the anti-treaty side yeah. and were so involved in that anti-treaty movement. And because it was the Free state movement that won, those women were kind of considered to have been blooded, to, to, to be kind of crazies, uh, to be not real women at all. And I mean, a lot, they were really pushed out to the, to the margins. A lot of them, you know, died in poverty or just Mm. had to go away. They couldn't live in this new Ireland that insisted on very uh, stringent gendered roles. And that's a great tragedy. But when you're writing about that from a period of great kind of progressive thinking in Ireland, well, then I think we as a people are able to look at it and understand what happened Uh, and What I believe, and I'm no historian, but I have danced with these ghosts now for a long time. (laughs) I think people were traumatized by their own actions, Mm. by their own violence, by their own killing, particularly in the Civil War. Because the Civil War, there's a line in the play where PJ says, this is a war without love. It's a war without mercy. It's a Dirty war oh, it is a dirty war. All, it is know? a
3: dirty war, absolutely. And and you know, you know dear I could talk to you all all morning. It's just, it's a fascinating subject. It really is. I know Thank you've you. had this huge success in Kells. It's going to Pump House Theatre in Dublin for two weeks. When is that starting? It is started, is it?
2: Well, it's actually opening on Friday. Now, the Pump House isn't a theatre. The Pump House is a lovely old building right down beside Dublin Port. Oh,
3: okay, I've never been, obviously. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's fantastic. There's great parking down there. But it's, the play is set. There's a moment of the play set in the pump house as well as in Kells. So that's why we chose to
3: do oh, it down there. Oh, very
2: good. It's really intimate. It's only an audience of about 55 people. So you're kind of in it. Yes. In the play, as was the case with Kells. But where you book tickets, and please do book tickets because the performances are just extraordinary. And the whole creative team have just played it out of the park on this one. It's a, re, it's a hurricane of a play. And it grabs you from the moment you, you, you sit in your seat, but you book tickets on www.fishamble.com. And that's where you'll get tickets for the pump house. And there's like a map of how you get there. It's very easy to get to. And it's a grand hotel. Gibson Hotel is only about 10 minutes away. Ah, so sure
3: there you go. Dinner or whatever. Dinner you know, beforehand, absolutely. Absolutely. It. <laughs> absolutely. Deirdre, it's been a, such a pleasure having you on the show, wishing you every success with this play and further work, which I've no doubt that you're you're on, uh, already uh, fervently writing away on. Thank you so, so much for joining me today lovely Sinead Slaan thanks a million bye 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 -bye. the play is called Outrage as Deirdre mentioned there it's going to be in the the pump house at Dublin Port for the next two weeks fishamble.com that's where you'll find the details on tickets 11 to (laughs)
1: 1 LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy-efficient home you're proud of. Call 818 774
3: Today we're going back to the year 2004 Usher released his fourth studio album Confessions on this day It got Billboard Album of the Year and Grammy Award for Best Contemporary R&B Album in 2005 Ben Affleck's movie Jersey Girl was released in cinemas It was a major flop And today is National Puppy Day They're fluffy, playful, they yip and bark and they're all just all around adorable and all they want is to be loved So National Puppy Day celebrates the most adorable of our four-legged friends The baby canine
1: LMFN Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drogheda and Dog showrooms.
3: Discover more at senatorwindows.ie. Getting a request in here on 086-1800-658. Happy anniversary to Alicia and Paul Dowd. They are their fourth wedding anniversary that's coming in from Mam and Dad, Adele and Bernie in rainy Spain. We'll dedicate this one to them.
0: Been holding on to pieces.
3: Swimming. With a little bit of love heading towards 12 news. But still to come, weird and wonderful stories around the history of words as author Grace Tierney joins us for word foolery. that's coming your way. Afternoons, eleven to one. The, the M- beloved family pair online on your smart speaker. This is LMFM. Sinead Brazel here with you till one. That's Codaline with the one kicking off our second hour. Round about this time of the month, always on a Wednesday, we invite author Grace Tierney from Mullen to come on the programme and talk about words. We have word foolery, where we learn really interesting, sometimes mad stories around the history and the origins of words. And every month when she's on, she gives us a mystery word that she likes to test us with. And this we, uh, this month's word is very strange. Zarf. Zarf. Z-A-R-F. OK, that is the word I'm asking you. What do we reckon it means without Googling? Because we'll know we'll know if you Google. OK, this is just for a bit of crack. When you hear the word zarf. What do you think of? I personally think of, do you remember 1960s? I think it was Batman. And then it was like remade again and re-shown again on television uh, when I was younger I, I remember seeing it you know that when he was wearing kind of the purple kind of Batman costume and Robin was there and it was all kablam bam bang all these kind of words would come up and sometimes maybe the word zarf might be in there <laughs> I'm just thinking it's a made up word from the Batman series that's where I'm going with this uh, what do we think the word zarf means z a o r f just for a bit of fun this morning on 086 658. All will be revealed with grace in word foolery very, very shortly. First, let's check in with the world of celebrity.
1: The Buzz on LMFM. With the Crown Plaza Dundalk. Featuring Ireland's tallest work of art. Rooftop restaurant, bistro bar and conference rooms. Wedding and banqueting for up to 400 people. The Thecrownplazadundalk.ie has it all. Hi, I'm Louise. Singer Kid Rock says he loves when people try to cancel
3: him. The 51-year-old star recently sat down with Fox News host Tucker Carlson, who asked him, why don't you think you've been cancelled? Kid Rock had this response. Why haven't
4: you been cancelled? Like people aren't allowed to say what they think you are. I am uncancelable. Why is that? Because I don't give a f- <laughs> And I'm not in bed with any big corporate
0: things at the end of the day. There's nobody I'm beholden to, no record companies, no corporate interests, no nothing. And you can't cancel me. I love it when they try.
3: Steven Spielberg's West Side Story star Rachel Zegler has claimed she hasn't been invited to this year's Oscars. That's despite the film up for a number of accolades. She says that she's disappointed, but that she's so proud of the movie. Mabel has just announced she's coming to Dublin this summer. The singer-songwriter will play Fairview Park on June 28th. The pop artist also has a new track out called Good Luck with Jax Jones and Galantis, which is out now. We caught up with Mabel and she revealed that she's always wanted to be a singer, even in her younger years.
0: It was always pop star. It was always very much that. Like My energy was like, this is what I'm going to do and I'm not bothered about any of you haters because I will be standing on stage and you will be streaming my music. It was very that. That's the buzz.
1: I'm Louise. <laughs> the buzz on LMFM with the Crown Plaza Dundalk, featuring Ireland's tallest work of art, rooftop restaurant, bistro bar, and conference rooms. Wedding and banqueting for up to 400 people. The Crown Plaza has it all. We
3: are talking word foolery. I'm asking you, what does the word zarf mean? Z-A-R-F. And they're coming in on 086-1800-658. Zarf is the brand of a kid's toy gun, says Rachel. Rachel, nerf. That's Nerf. <laughs> but I like where you're going with this. Um, zarf, could it be the name of an alien on a kids TV show? Could be called Zarf. Yeah, yeah, OK. I like that one. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, Dan, of course, is always one, isn't there? There's a bit rude. Dan is saying the noise you make when you sneeze and fart is a Zarf. <laughs> Keep them coming in. 086 1 658. There's Top Loader dancing in the moonlight. Christina O'Connor says zarf means an extra toe on your foot. <laughs> Love it. I'm not sure that that's the right answer, but I'm loving it. Uh, Trevor says, Zarf sounds like the name a dimwitted celebrity would give their kid. <laughs> Trevor, fantastic. Something tells me none of these are right, but I love it. I love all your suggestions for the word Zarf. Keep them coming in on 086 1800 658. We're going to catch up with Grace Tierney from Mullin for Word Foolery just after these. 11 to 1 one it is that time of the month again where we learn more about the interesting entertaining and sometimes downright strange origin stories behind words and author grace tierney from is back with us once again for word foolery how you doing grace I'm doing very well. How are you? I am very entertained by our mystery word. I My reckoning on the mystery word is do you remember Batman, the Batman series on television? I think it was around the 60s, around that time with Batman and Robin and they used to have like when they'd fight, like the screen would kind of light up with graphics and it was like kablamo and zarf and all these kind of strange <laughs> words. I'm thinking that's where you're going. Uh, Rachel thinks it's a brand of toy gun. Um, Dan thinks it's the noise you make when you say sneeze when you fart. Uh, Lots of suggestions (laughs) come in here Uh, but we'll reveal what SARF is very very shortly. But let's start off with a normal enough word that I think we all know about. Uh, Citizen It's a fairly straightforward one
0: it is, and I have I have a confession to make. I chose this specially for you, Sinead, oh. because I was listening one morning and you said that you can't say citizens' That's right, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I'd make you say citizens. <laughs> just to annoy you. Oh, thank you uh, for that, yes. You're very welcome. <laughs> but uh, Anyway, it turned out to have an interesting story, so I'm glad I looked it up. Uh, so, citizen isn't the word that we used to use in English. The old English word for somebody who dwelled in a, a town or a city was actually a... Bersetend, which is quite difficult to say without accidentally saying something rude, or a feasterware. But luckily for us, because they're very tricky, uh, we got citizen from Anglo-French in the 1300s. Over time, it acquired a few extra meanings. So by the late 1400s, a citizen was a person who was an inhabitant of a particular place i.e. not somebody who's from somewhere else. Um, and during the French Revolution, a citizen or citoyenne in French was used as a republican alternative to saying monsieur or, or madame, I suppose. Um, but citizen, as you guess, has its roots in the word for city, but it isn't particularly direct. It kind of goes around the house a little bit. So the Latin word for city wasn't city. It was herbs, so U-R-B-S. So that does give us suburb, yes. urban, urban, all of that stuff. But over time, um, it was overwhelmed because a resident of a town was a civis. But civis okay. goes weirder, so <laughs> it was originally related to a word for lying on a bed, and with a secondary sense of being beloved, which no. I cannot see how that's connected to a no. city. But that's where it goes to. So you eventually get civis goes to civatus for city, and then we get. Uh, then into French and ultimately into English.
3: There you go. There you go. And thank you for that. It's more so, by the way, when I have to say information after it. So when I say citizens' information, it kind of all blends together. But, uh, but thank, you to you thank you for that. Thank you for that. Now, turpitude, something I've kind of heard this, I think I'm right in this, hopefully, is does it connect to water in some way? It's not something that I hear very often, this word. Oh,
0: no, it's not to do with water. Okay. Maybe tepid. I don't know. Okay. Um, no, I picked it up because I was watching Peaky Blinders the other night. Uh, and, yes. uh, Tom, Tommy Shelby's lead character asked by one of his enemies, does he know what moral turpitude means? Mm. He says he does, uh, but he doesn't explain it. And he says it would make a great name for a racehorse, which is actually true. It would be a brilliant name for a racehorse. Um, but that's not what it is. It's defined as evil or depravity. And mm. I haven't been able to find it listed as, as a racehorse name. So I really hope somebody does that because I think that would be hilarious. Um turpitude was, was borrowed directly from Old French into English in the late 1400s. And it goes back to Latin as well, where turpus means anything that is vile, base, or unsightly. Now, Tommy would have known the phrase moral turpitude because he's recently been in North America. And it was a legal concept in the US and prior to the 1970s in Canada, where it refers to an actor behaviour which violates the accepted community standards which is a pretty broad definition if you think about it. It was used in immigration laws in the 1800s and it can be used to impeach a witness, to revoke licences for particular professions or to refuse refuse immigration clearance. As far as I can tell, it's never been part of British or Irish law, but I think it's still a live thing in the US. Wow. As for moral, we get that from Latin as well, Latin moralis, which is proper behaviour in society. And it was apparently coined by famous writer Cicero, to translate the idea of etikos or ethics in Greek.
3: Interesting. So you're you're sitting there watching Peaky Blinders like the rest of us getting enthralled and then Grace is like, oh, words. Yeah, <laughs> What's words. that word? I need to that look is, that up. Totally. I, yeah, love I love I'm it. I love it. Because you don't hear it. You don't really hear it like thrown around in, in kind of, you know, everyday language. But that's fascinating. Um, ludicrous. This is a word I love and use often. Tell us about this one. There's far
0: too much ludicrousness Uh, in the world, really. There is. This is another Latin one today, Um, but it didn't land in English until the early 1600s, so it's not a direct borrowing. Um, And back then it had a different meaning, Uh, so instead of something being silly, it related to play. So it arrived via Old French and Latin from ludicrous, so spelt slightly differently, but meaning sportive. And they all root back to a verb called ludere, to play. Now, its meaning changed over time because we know it has a modern meaning of something being ridiculous or open to provoking ridicule, and that dates back to the late 1700s. The Latin verb "luder" gives us a couple of other words as well, so it gives us allude and allusion, both again via French, uh, which in the early 1500s had an original meaning in English of mocking or making a joke, Uh, and then that goes into a passing reference, which is the one which has lasted. The Latin verb ludo also gives us the name of the board game Ludo, which oh, I play. A favourite pastime in our house, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very popular in our house too, particularly when the kids were younger. Um, but in other countries it's called Parcheesi, which I had heard, oh. but I had no idea that that was Ludo. And that's because it started in India in the 6th century. Oh. So it's not actually a Roman game, but it, it has a Roman name.
3: There you go. I'm learning something about Ludo as well. Now, what about Luther? You know, the way someone in the, in the South might say, oh, you're an awful Luthermon or a Luther. I
0: presume that's coming from Ludacris as well, is it? I I don't know, but I would suspect that might come from yeah. Irish, actually. Yeah? Luthermon, that interesting. sounds very Irish. Interesting. To me. It does, it does. I don't know. I didn't come across that one.
3: <laughs> now, something you did come across, and it's a phrase that I hope maybe one day might be used to describe me blaze a trail. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm sure, it, <laughs> I'm sure it already does. It is very popular these days, though. Trailblazer is like yes. if you want to have in your CV, I guess. Um, anyway, I assumed that meant literally burning a path through a forest, but I was totally wrong. Um, but understandably so. So, blaze, as in a fire or a flame, comes to Old English as a blaze from a Germanic root word blast, which means shining or white. So, if you think about it, it's a fire or a Red, white, hot flame, mm-hmm. and an earlier root word uh, for shining or burning. But blaze as a light marked on a face of a cow or horse. I'm describing this badly. You know, on their forehead, if you've lovely black horse and it's got oh, like yeah. white blaze. Yeah, that's the word we're talking about when it's oh. blazing a trail. So it comes into English in 1600 via Northern English uh, dialect, which was based out of Old Norse Vikings. Get those Vikings in again. Because they had a word, "blessing" for a white spot on a horse's forehead. So it's like a, a literal, we just borrowed it from the Vikings. But we took it with us when we went to North America. So early settlers in North America from about the late 1600s onwards, they would mark out trails in the pick forest, because North America was literally just one giant forest, as far as I can tell at that point. Yeah. But they had to mark it somehow so people could follow them or discover how to get from one settlement to another. So they would cut a blaze mark into the bark of the trunk on the tree. Basically, the light inner wood would show brightly against the dark bark of the tree. And that was literally blazing a trail.
3: I love it I love that origin and it just kind of adds weight now when you use that phrase to describe somebody who is kind of this person who's inspiring or something like that that's fascinating Um, I think we do have one or two right answers for the word Zarf Kim in Kansas can we just say hello to Kim in Kansas Uh, thank you so much for tuning in from from the States first of all I think they're getting it right here and somebody else has it as well you better put us out of our misery I don't think Zarf is an alien on a kid's
0: television show <laughs> i wish it was though and i love the sneeze and fart combined <laughs> we do need a word for that we don't do we? we do thanks yeah. for that dan yes <laughs> it's none of those it's much more highfalutin than that um and in a way very mundane as well so azarth in modern terms is a cardboard cup holder you know that little ring of cardboard that you put around your takeaway coffee to stop you burning your fingers but it has a much more glamorous backstory, and, and let's be honest, it's a cool word anyway, so I had to use it. Zarf actually means envelope in Turkish, Once you think about it, you're enveloping the cup. That all makes sense from a word, a history perspective. But in the 1500s, the Ottoman Empire was big news in that part of the world, and they decided that they would ban alcohol. And as a result, strong Turkish coffee became very popular, as did coffee houses. Now, that went on for a while. The Sultan in the 17th century did not like the amount of politics that was being talked in the coffee houses. And as a result, he outlawed them until the people revolted because they wanted their coffee. I could totally see this happening in Ireland. Yes. (laughs) I could also see what happened next. He reopened them and imposed a heavy tax on coffee. (gasps) So he was no slouch like. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, so their drinks of coffee, or maybe mint tea is very popular as well, they were served in glass or ceramic cups, which were then held in elaborate metal containers, sometimes made out of silver, even encrusted with gems, and that would stop you burning your hands, you see, on, on the the simpler mug. They were very elaborate, and they were called czar. Uh, in 1995, an inventor called Jay Sorensen, I'm not sure, he sounds very Scandinavian to me rather than Turkish, He was trying to invent a way not to burn your hands on takeaway coffee because that was becoming more popular, and he thought about the old one and invented a much simpler cardboard one. Now he didn't encrust them with silver and gems, but apparently he makes eight million dollars a year from them. Oh, of course he does. so I think he's doing okay with his zarf industry. He
3: really is. Plus I think, uh, be warned, baristas around the northeast. I'm going to go in now every time and be like, sorry, can I have a
0: zarf with my <laughs> Well, they may <laughs> laugh at you because the alternative is you can call it a java jacket. But to be honest, ja- I think that's pretty boring. No, we it's boring. To go back
3: to zarf. I'm going to be like, zarf me. Zarf me now. We need to have this <laughs> get this word <laughs> in the back in the into regular use. Grace, as always, thank you so, so much for all that amazing word foolery we We'll chat to you next month. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Thanks bye. a million. Bye, bye, bye. Author Grace Tierney there. She has a lots of books out. She does. Uh, the most recent one is Words the Vikings Gave Us. <laughs> you can find all the details of Grace. If you just Google Word Foolery. you'll find her, but she's wordfoolery.blogspot.com. 11 to 1. L-M. Eleven to one. Sinead Brazel with you. That's Westlife and Uptown Girl. couple of jobs on the job search today for you. That's on the way.
1: LMFM Job Search with thanks to LMFM Online. Check out the latest Northeast news, sport and entertainment on LMFM.ie. Bayda, Home Healthcare, have multiple
3: roles for nursing and healthcare assistance throughout the Northeast region with immediate starts. To apply for this you can email jobs at bayda.ie so that's B-A-Y-A-D-A B-A-Y-A-D-A .ie or you can check out their website bayda.ie beta, as well. Mead County Council requires Beach Lifeguard to apply check current vacancies on the Mead County Council website. Sarah Thompson and Associates requires call and part qualified accountants for their busy practice in Kells County Meath you can send your CV to sarah at sarahthompson.ie or check the website sarahthompson.ie Meath County Council requires a beach warden and a health and safety assistant you can check current vacancies on the Meath County Council website and experienced child minder required to mind a seven month old and a two year old child in Minder's own home in the North Drogheda area starting in August please text if you're interested in this 086 073 2972 it says no calls please just text only 086 073 2972 and don't forget all of the details of those jobs can be found in our local job section on lmfm.ie LMFM Job Search Now, if you are considering an apprenticeship career or perhaps you have a son or daughter at home who is considering an apprenticeship after the leaving cert, well, you'll want to listen to my next guest. He started out his own career as an apprentice. He's now co-owner of Calix. They're an instrumentation service in Kells. They are just one of many employers that are going to be at the uh, County Meath Chamber Apprenticeship Expo, which is happening next Tuesday. I'm going to catch a word with Willie McMahon. He's from Calix after these.
1: 11 to 1.
3: Are you considering an apprenticeship career? Perhaps you have a son or daughter at home who is considering going for an apprenticeship after the leaving cert. Well, next Tuesday, County Meath Chamber is hosting the Apprenticeship Expo. It's happening at the Knightsbrook Hotel, and it's a one-stop shop for everything you need to know about kickstarting an apprenticeship career. And my next guest is one of the many employers at the Expo offering apprenticeship programmes. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Willie McMahon. He's co-owner and sales and marketing director for CalEx in. Instrumentation Services in Kells. How are you doing, Willie?
4: I'm very good, Sinead, and delighted to be here talking to you.
3: Delighted to have you on the programme. First of all, tell me a little bit about CalEx and Kells. I know that you're on the go there since about 2019, is that right?
4: Yeah, we, we are... Uh, CalEx is a merger of two former businesses based the other side of Kells. Um, we merged in 2019, and that was 14 people, and we've now scaled up to 45. So it's been a a very busy two, two three years, um... We provide calibration management to customers in in the manufacturing industries. And and what does that mean? If you think of your milk, the the simple milk that you have on on your table today, it has to get pasteurized. So pasteurization happens at a certain temperature. Those temperature probes have to be calibrated. The Department of Agriculture will say you can't sell your milk unless that probe is calibrated and so forth. And the other example of what we would do is your your petrol and diesel pumps. So, when you put 20 litres of diesel into your car, how do you know it's 20 litres? So, we are approved by the NSAI to calibrate petrol and diesel pumps, and we're probably the, we're the biggest in the country doing that. So any,
3: any way you can do. calibrate that we can get a bit more into the
4: tank? With I, I, that's going no, on. And, and it's, it's becoming more and more critical. You know, when you're yes. selling thousands of litres and there's a little tiny error, um, it's. It's it's affecting a lot of people. It's affecting the lot selling it, it's affecting the lot buying it. Absolutely.
3: So, and this is where yeah. you guys come in to make sure that yeah. everything is 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 taken over pr- properly. Yeah. And and Willie, your own career, you started off as an apprentice yourself in Tara Mines, I believe.
4: That was a long time ago. Uh, back in ninety four, um, instrumentation. Um served me time there in Tara Mines. Um great experience. Um at that time that was four years. Um And then I left there, went on to other companies in the pharmaceutical sector between Dublin and Cork, then ended up working in a large multinational for 14 years. You know, just growing and learning across pharmaceutical, medical, dairy, manufacturing. and, And then it came a time where I said right I need to do this on my own I need to be I need to be a big boy.
3: Absolutely so, and big big boy you are now as co- co-owner there of of Calex but you know the one of the things that we discussed this morning a bit before we 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 chat uh, we before we were preparing for the the show today we were chatting about there's lots of misconceptions out there isn't there around apprenticeships that we really should highlight I think yes
4: there, there is there is need um, we we won Apprenticeship Employer of the Year last December. And as part of that, I felt, right, I need to go out and shout more about apprenticeships. And, and we are very passionate about apprenticeships. But I had never gone to secondary schools before. And I, I went around a few of the local ones. And I have to say, the, the two words that stood out to me in what I got was mail and building sites. Oh, when my I goodness. Asked, what does an apprenticeship mean to transition years to leaving sites? Mail and building sites. And that is absolutely so wrong. And, and my, the, the main reason for me going there was to say, you know, oh, I don't want to be an apprentice electrician. Oh, I don't want to be an apprentice plumber. Oh, I don't want to be uh, a motor mechanic. And, and, and then that stops there. That's their impression of an apprenticeship. Yeah. There's 62 apprenticeships available in Ireland today. Well,
3: I wouldn't have even known that now. So sixty-two, yeah. and as you say, you know, you started off yourself in this role, and you know, it's a great way to learn the the tricks of the trade, I suppose, and on the actual job, doing the job.
4: Totally, you know, you, you you get to learn the technical skills of the job you're doing, but you get to learn the people skills. Yeah. So you're you're working alongside people of your own age, your own experience level, but you're also learning from senior managers and more experienced people who will guide you, who will look after you and share the lessons they've taught you as well. Now, you also end up going to college. Like, it's not that Mm. you just go to an employer and you work there with an employer. You go to your colleges. The colleges applicable to us would be uh, Cork, uh, learning centres in Cork, learning centres in Carlow. Uh, There's been some lads gone to Limerick. Um, and, and that's on the trade apprenticeship. So you, I, I, as I say them names, that's a trade apprenticeship angle yeah. and training sessions. If you looked at, we have an accounting technician apprentice, my wife. So she's based out of the Monaghan ETB um, and doing an accounts technician. We have a lady doing the sales apprenticeship and she's based out of the Mayo Sligo ETB. Okay, so,
3: so th- you're this is sca- broad. very, very broad, and you know, in terms of then uh, people, your your actual placements. Then, so tell us more about the actual programs that you offer. Then at Calyx,
4: so we are offering two apprenticeships: um, instrumentation, which is what I trained in, and is specifically related to our business. The instrumentation would be giving you experience in. Everything calibration-related, understanding how a temperature probe works, understanding what's the right temperature probe for a job, how a weighing scale works, what's the right one. Everything to do with measurement. I think this weighs 1 kg. Is it actually 1 kg? And everything to do with that. Um, the other apprenticeship that we will be offering towards later in the year will be looking for a sales apprenticeship again. So there is... Who, who is the right person? I, I would say somebody with the right hatchet. Yeah, that's the number number one thing I need a person with the right attitude if you don't have the right attitude no go on there's loads of other jobs we um, need the right attitude to come in to work in an environment um, you from an instrumentation the trade apprenticeship definitely you need to be comfortable with maths ideally with a leaving cert
3: that's, that's, that puts me straight out of it. I was never comfortable with maths, Willie.
4: Really. <laughs> and, and it's just, so it, it, it's not necessarily, it's, it's just, there is a bit of maths going on. You don't need to be a maths genius, but you yeah. just need to be comfortable okay. with maths. So um, doing sort
3: of figures and sums in your head, kind of yes. quickly enough, I get you. Yeah.
4: That's all. You're not going to be doing algebra <laughs> <laughs> like that. We just need to be comfortable. Yes. Um so, the sales apprenticeship is, is um, the lady that we have on that um, was working with us in an administration role and she wants to progress her career. And we felt that this was a perfect match for her. And she's now a brilliant sales administrator dealing with all contract labor that's going on and that. So, there's career progression. So, you don't necessarily need to be 18 yes. to do an apprenticeship.
3: Okay. Yes, because that's another misconception, you know. Yeah, as you said, you know, people coming out of leave insert absolutely. But if there's people maybe who you know want kind of a bit of a career change, or and a lot of people yeah. are thinking about that now as well. Really, after the the pandemic and everything, that's fantastic. And it's great to see a company like CalEx supporting their employers, uh, employees, and nurturing them and developing them as they go along. That's fantastic. So in terms of qualification level, say for the likes of leave insert students now, uh, or or people maybe who or early school leavers or anything what what qualifications do you need? Uh,
4: The the leaving cert would probably be what we would require ourselves as an employer Um, there is apprenticeships where you would not necessarily need a uh, a leaving cert so it is uh, with there being so many with there being 62 uh, different types in different so many different areas uh, you can basically you have to have a junior cert uh, everybody is going to have to have a junior cert but, Sinead, where I suppose where, where it comes to mind and I see uh, an 18-year-old with a Leaving Cert apply and they are competing against somebody who has gone to college nice. and done a year or two.
0: And okay.
4: Go, this is not for me. I thought I wanted to do this college course and it's not for me. So you do end up with 18-year-olds competing against 23-year-olds with a bit more life experience. Okay. So that's...
3: That's something for people to consider. And uh, Yeah, just just very quickly before, because we're fast running out of time here, because the Meath County Chamber, they're running the Apprenticeship Expo next week. Uh, You're very much encouraging people to go along. You'll have reps there on the day.
4: I'll be there on the day. day. Uh, Aoife, our people, culture and talent manager will be there on the day. Um, Come up, say hello, talk to me, talk to Aoife about our apprenticeships, about all apprenticeships you will have your etbs there you will have your colleges there and there will be speakers on the day it's 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 not necessarily just for students mm. this is a very important thing for parents or people with an influence over somebody who is at that leaving cert stage where they can learn what could my son daughter niece nephew What could they do? Um, So it's an education for parents as well.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Ed, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much, Willie, for taking the time.
4: Sinead, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Have a good day.
3: Thanks a million. The Meath County Chamber Apprenticeship Expo. It's on next Tuesday, Knightsbrook Hotel, 9 a.m. The full details are on apprenticeshipexpo.ie. That is our lot on the show for today. Thank you so much for your company as always. We'll chat to you tomorrow. Have a great day. 11 to 1 with Gilmore. Planning for your next trip?